On today's show, we talk to an awesome dad who's working three jobs to support his family, but he's not connecting and he's exhausted. We also talk to the mom of a 15-year-old daughter who's having sex and she doesn't know what to say to her. We talk to an exhausted mother who's trying to balance and doesn't know that balance is a myth. Stay tuned. is up this is john with the dr john deloney show we're taking on the world not really we're not very tough we are taking on the world that just sounded cool but we're not really hope you're doing well on this show we talk about mental health wellness parenting relationships marriage everything friendships all of it um give me a shout if you want to be on the show at 1-844-693-3291 that's 1-844-693-3291 be on the show uh leave a message at the tone old school style like 1985 and kelly will listen to the message and give you a shout back or go to johndeloney.com slash ask and uh james we have to talk about what happened this past weekend I'm still trying to come down off the high and the disappointment of losing. We didn't win, but our metal band, we rocked it, James. We rocked it till the wheels fell off. I think we only started with two to three wheels. As, as somebody in the crowd with both hands up, how, give us a, a spectator's ex- part of the experience, Kelly. It was freaking awesome. <laughs> it really was. I mean, for those that don't know, this is my era. This is, I was a hair metal girl, you know, an 80s rocker, and it just, it warms my heart to hear James singing the songs that he pretty much has turned his nose up at for like the last eight years because he only likes bands no one's heard of. And so to That's hear him true. singing Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Def Leppard just You've no idea what it did for me. I think it made us closer. It did. There was a moment when James came to practice one day, and he's like, hey, guys, we're going to do this Metallica song. And I thought in my, in my heart, oh, no, we broke James. And I told Je- Kelly that. I said, Kelly, I think we broke James. And she said, yes. And we rebuilt him back stronger. <laughs> he's so like great. the bionic man now. Yes. Yeah. It was so phenomenal. Y'all were great. And I had so much fun. James, hey, just so you know, James brought the thunder. Number one, I'm not going to beat this into the ground, but he was straight up rock, rocking a Gibson, which is incredible. But, dude, you were all over the place, man. I've never on, had that much fun playing music before. You were life. up on the, like, way up on the speakers, climbing up on stuff. It was incredible. I've watched James at Battle of the Bands now for, you know, off and on for eight years, and I've never seen him, like, climb up on the speakers and do all that kind of stuff. It was great. I'm usually a shoegazer, so I, I think I came out of my yeah, shell. Yeah, usually bit. just, like, jangling your Fender Jazzmaster, just thinking about sad poetry about your dad. See, and, dude, man. The power of Def Leppard. I'm telling you. James, there was a moment I looked over and I was just smiling ear to ear because that was a lot. (laughs) That was super fun. James had this dope wig on. It was incredible. Anyway, but we lost to the guy who runs the whole business part of my world, Cody Bennett. And let's be honest, he rocked it. He had some 90s country and he pretty much rolled the whole place up like an old joint and smoked it. He was incredible. He was really good, but I'm going to be filing some voter fraud charges. 100%. Well, on Zach's band... What was that? What were you guys doing? Partying. I strongly disagree. I don't even know what happened. Um, I don't know how to say train wreck in Spanish, but if I could, that's what I would call it. But it is what it is. Voter fraud, fake election. What else can we call it? We'll start a new podcast series where we dive into all the, the finer details of Battle of the Bands drama. Dude, that's genius. And especially the voter fraud. That's my subtle way of telling you let's move on with the show. Oh, that wasn't very subtle. I appreciate that. All right, let's go to Jermaine in Columbus, Ohio. What's up, Jermaine? How's it going, Dr. John? Dude, we're rocking well. on, man. How about you? We're doing well. It's a beautiful day. Excellent, man. What's up? How can I help? Yeah, so first I just want to thank you for and your team for the work that you all do. Um, I, I love the book, Redefining Anxiety. Um, my question is, you, you often speak about the importance of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in regards of mental health, but, uh, you know, I'm, I am a father of, uh, four kids under five and, uh, we are, Ooh, y'all, our are path. y'all are in it, huh? Yeah. So we, uh, you know, I'm also, you know, trying to become financially secure and, and debt free. And so I'm working a lot of hours and, uh, that eight hour 
sleep is, is not possible. So I, what are some tools of sleep um, or, or quality of sleep is, is maybe not an option um, because of you know the mission that is in front of us. Okay. So walk me through what a day looks like for you. Are you married? Yes, I am married. Okay, so walk me through what a day looks like for you and your spouse. Well, right now, um, my spouse uh, does stay home, okay. and so she, she manages the household. And, uh, you know, I, I get up around 6, uh, go to, to my day job, and... Um, What's your day job? About five. Um, I, I, I'm in transportation or logistics. Okay. So, um, and... So it's a desk job, um, okay. which, is, which is, is fine. And what are your um, hours I, in that job? Um, it's 40-hour week. So you said you get up at 6 to go to work, and you work till 5. That's way well, more than yeah, 40 I wake hours. Up at six. <laughs> well, I wake up at 6 because I'm um, getting ready. The, the kids are up. Okay. So it does take me a little bit longer um, to, to get out the door. But I, I typically start at 8, okay. so eight, 8 to 5. Then uh, in the evenings, I, I work another seven hours at uh, between two other part-time jobs, uh, typically. So I, I you know, I, I was doing my schedule this week. I'm at 90 hours for the week, um, as in what is planned. Okay. So, so what is, uh, so you, know, you, you are trying to get out of debt re- big time, right? Yeah. Y'all yeah. are all in it. You got four kids under the age of five. Your house is a hurricane. Your wife is working 90 hours a week. She's working 150 hours a week. Um, and you're working 90 hours a week. So I just want to stop the presses right now and high five you. Okay. You're not afraid of hard work. You are not playing woe is me. You have a goal and y'all are trying to do everything you can to get out of um, this, this financial hole you're in. How much debt do you have? Um, we have just over 60 grand um and that's just a it's a a la carte of of different things but um it's definitely a a target we can hit what what, what kind of debt is it uh it's it's some is like credit line uh student loans um and that's it's between credit like a couple credit cards uh, and the car payment okay and at the rate you're working how long do you until you pay this thing off? Um, we're right now. It's two and a half years. Okay. So you're thinking about working ninety hours a week for two and a half years, and when you say you get off at five o'clock, then what happens next? Well, today I'm driving straight to my second job, so there's commute times that okay. are included, and not the ninety hours, but there, there is a commute. When do you see your um, kids? Time, so. Well, thankfully, you know, with the you know, I, my day job, I'm, I can work from home every other week. Okay. So I, I take advantage of that so I can be present. Um, I still try my best to show up for my son's soccer games, um, and I, I've been able to make that happen so far. Okay. Um, and so I, I, you know, especially with the work from home option, I'm able to uh, still be present. Um, some weeks, you know, there are some days it seems like, and, and you know, in the mornings, I, I'm there when they, they wake up. So they see me every, every, but that is, that is also a factor. I mean, some, there's some stretches where it's just like, Hey, hi, bye. What are these and, other uh, two jobs you're working, man? Um, they're, they're, they're also like, uh, I guess like one's delivering pizzas or working at a pizza shop. And the other one is, uh, packing boxes uh, with smiles on them. Okay. Very cool. So is there a, a possibility and I'm just shooting in the dark here before I get into the sleep stuff. Is there a what? Do, what do you make delivering pizzas? Like, give me a monthly um, guess. Well, that one I, I just picked that up, okay. uh, and the reason why I just picked it up because it's closer to home. So half the week I can kind of I don't have an, a commute time, um, and it's a hybrid. So I'm in in the shop. Um, like an assistant manager role, and then on the road. So I, I don't have a good solid number right now, and I apologize for that. No, don't I, apologize, I, man. It's cool. G- give me a guess, though, brother. Yeah. I, I would say, um, I, this, sorry, I'm kind of analytical, so I, I'm not. <laughs> I don't have enough data to say yes, but or to give you a good guess. But so why'd you take the I, job? I, well, 
to get closer to home. Okay. I need to make with you know my extra my extra side job. I'm able to make a, bring home like an additional six fifty per week. So that's that's between the two side jobs. That's the goal I'm aiming for. Okay, and so was it was about another twenty five hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. on top of yeah. Okay, um, yeah. and so then you get home and you crash. You you say you work another seven hours. So you're working until what midnight? Um, sometimes like well, actually zero like zero two. Okay, and then you're getting up at six o'clock and doing it all over again. Yep, between six and six thirty. Okay. Uh, not perfect with that. Okay, you should be perfect. I'm just kidding, man. It's all good. You're like beating <laughs> yourself up, dude. Um, how long have you been doing this? Well, that's that's also a, another factor. Um, it, it's. I've been up at this tempo probably for a, a year. Okay. Um, on and off, I, I need to be more, I, like, it's probably in, inconsistently three years, but we keep, we, we've added more children to the mix, so mm-hmm. um, it seems like I we keep starting over. How much do you um, make in, in your in day job? Uh, it, like 45 uh, annually. So not, it's, it, that could, I, I've been interviewing and trying to improve that. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the, that, that's the big opportunity right there to solve is the, to, to increase that dollar amount. So here's what I'll tell you. I've led teams of, I'm trying to think what even my last one was. I think it was 12, 13, 14 direct reports who then had their own direct reports down through the student employees, hundreds of people in the division that I, I was responsible for. And what I'll tell you is I would bend over backwards to hire somebody like you based on your work ethic alone. You are not scared of work. You want to take care of your family. You want to take care of your kids. You are not afraid to bust it, bust it, bust it. And I think that you can be making more than $45,000 a year. Okay, so this is not why you called. This is just a side note. I would love for you to connect with my buddy Ken Coleman and go through his, um, he's got a new uh, new book coming out that's incredible. In fact, I'll give you a copy of it. Stay on the line when we get done and I'm gonna have Kelly send you a copy of Ken's new book um, from Paycheck to Purpose. It's got a lot of tools on figuring out what it is you do best and then how to get paid for what you do best, okay? You've got the desire in your soul, man. And that's such a rare thing. Um, I want you to get a bigger shovel to get out of this mess. So then getting to the, to the mess, the same as when you look at, and by the way, for people wondering, like, what does this have to do with relationships, mental health? I am a firm believer, firm believer. If you owe somebody money, your body registers that as a trauma because you are not in control of your life. You are not safe. If you owe somebody money because they get to dictate what you do every day. They get to dictate where you live because they're dictating how much you have to pay off every month. You're not in control of where your paycheck goes because you're paying for last month's stuff to try to get ahead. And so one of the basic mental health 101s is to solve for freedom. Where am I not safe? Where am I not in control of my destiny? And if you owe somebody money, you're not safe. If you owe somebody money, you're not in control of your destiny. So that's why this matters. And I'm really grateful that you called. Um, Just like a math problem, when you got to live on a budget, right? And you are overspending your budget. It's the same with sleep. You are in fight or flight right now. You are, as as Dave Ramsey, buddy says, um, you're being gazelle intense. You're trying to work three jobs, run as fast as you can to get this debt paid off so y'all can breathe. Is that right? Yes. Okay. When you're in, when a gazelle is running for its life from a lion trying to eat it, it will twist an ankle. It will crash into things. It will get soaking wet. It will get cut on sticks and rocks, and it keeps sprinting and sprinting. The goal isn't wellness. The goal is to live, to survive, okay? You're there right now. I think you have put undue pressure on yourself because you're making 45 grand. I want to see you make more money than that. But right now, you're in a season. 
the math on sleep doesn't change. If you're not getting seven to eight hours sleep, you're not going to be your full self. And what I'll tell you is over time, you are going to you're going to get a net negative return. You're already there, by the way. A net negative return on your mental health, on your physical health, on your work productivity, on your ability to be a dad and a present husband. I will also tell you for a year, for two years, man, two years max, hit the gas on it. But after that, man, you are going to run smack dab into the wall of physiological reality. And that can look like taking a couple of days and only working one day job that can look like getting a new job that can look like several different things. But brother, you've got to be connected to your wife. You got to be connected to those kids and you got to sleep. You got to move your body and you know, those things, right? Yes. That's the the challenge. I, I, I know that, but I also know what the numbers look like. And, um, so it's that, uh, like the duty to, to make sure I take care of, and I know within you know two three years, are as long as we have no more children. Um, we, you, know, we, <laughs> you know, there's a there's a couple of different things y'all can do there. We're researching it. Yes. Um, <laughs> Don't even have to research it, man. It's just, it's pretty straightforward. Um, no, I understood. Um, but I'm just you know, I, I know that you know it's not going to be you know part. Sometimes some days I feel like man, this is the next you know because there's always going to be expenses. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just even having. You know, our, our son plays soccer or go to school. There's just all kinds of hidden expenses that come with that sometimes, sure. uh, especially with the first child going through. Um, we're being exposed to that. And then thinking about college and, and things down the road. So, um, you know, but there's been times where the reason why I said in the previous years, I've had to hit stop in the second job because I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't hit gas anymore. That's right. Um, like, you know, I was in a fog. Um so, and so what I, so, I, so, so two things, one, you are running like mad and I don't feel like your, your destination is, is solidified. You've got some ideas and one of the ideas is sprint like crazy. Another one of the ideas is we want to be, have no debt. We don't want to owe anybody anything. The rest of it feels still kind of fuzzy. And so how can you balance being a dad being present and at the same time grinding and grinding and sprinting. And how can you um, balance getting a new job, but it pays you more money. How can you find if there's, if pizza, and if you're, what I'm telling you is you can't do four hours for that many more years. Mm-hmm. And you've experienced it. You know that, right? Yes. What I don't want you to do is to begin to think about um, college to begin to think about, I mean, you got to think about those things, but right now you are running for your life. And if you're running for your life and you're also wondering, huh, what if we're going to put a back deck on someday? (laughs) Dude, you're going to crash. You'll crash. So here's what I want you to do. Okay. I want you to um, get with your wife and y'all may have done this recently, but I want you to get with your wife and take stock of the last 12 months. How much debt have y'all paid off? How much money have you actually made with these other jobs? What kind of job would you have to get? Would it have to be a $65,000 a year job, um, a seventy-five dollars to make up for the two incomes of the two jobs you're running and gunning with? What would it look like for her to pick up a side hustle? And I know you've got four kids. I get it. Um, is that possible? But I want you to reverse engineer where you're going and not just run wild. Gazelles and deer, when they're running away from a predator, they run in a direction. They run towards safety. They run in with it in, on a path. They don't just run haphazard all over the field in figure eights until they just collapse and get eaten. Okay. Again, what your kids are lucky to have you, man. A dad that is just leveling up, leveling up. I'll do anything it takes to pay this debt off, to give them a future that I didn't have, to take care of them. I'll do anything to put food on the table to make sure they're playing soccer, going to college. Good for you. Good for you. I want your path from where you are now to debt freedom to be a much straighter line. As my old track coach, Zoe Simpson, used to say, the fastest place between point A and point B is a straight line. And I want you to level out that energy. And the same as we can't change the math on 
a budget and how much money you make and how much debt you have, I can't change the math on sleep. You can gut it out for a season. And I recommend people do that. If you're solving for safety, I recommend you gut it out, gut it out, gut it out, gut it out. But you can't do that for three, four, five years. You can't sprint like that. You can't sleep, go on four hours of sleep for that long. Your body will break down. The science is just super clear about that. You gotta exercise, you gotta see sunlight, you gotta be with your kids. And um, you deserve that, man. Your family deserves that, everybody deserves that. So get with your wife. Let's get some real numbers and some real articulated, and let's work backwards. Come up with a game plan, brother. You've got this, got this, got this. This is gonna we're gonna straighten this line out. And man, you gotta sleep. You gotta sleep. You gotta sleep. All right, we'll be right back on the Dr. John Deloney Show. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is, how do you get something off your chest? Right, like a deep secret that you've never told anyone, or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you. But it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, we're back. Hey, before you keep going, I'm just curious if you've ever watch the Discovery Channel because that's what you described, gazelles running around in circles until they tire out and get eaten. Yeah. That's literally exactly what does happen. <laughs> <laughs> they, get, they run all over the place and they tire out and then the cheetah eats them. So I think your metaphor still has merit, but I just wanted to clear up some of the, you're such a pro-science guy and you're not really. Kelly, I'd like to congratulate you on your new promotion. You are now the senior producer of the John Deloney Show. Uh... Before you say that, we were laughing about it because you, you were wrong. That's exactly how nature works. So, But listen, is there not I've – I've, I've seen deer in the woods, and I spook them when I'm hunting, and they run in a laser straight line away from me. It's not like there's base somewhere, and then if they get there, the, the cheetah can't eat them. They just run this for safety. This show sucks. I hate this show. <laughs> uh, you're, deer are I'm a listening to a new than, podcast. Deer are different than like gazelle in the savannah. But. Yeah, they just run until hopefully the, the cheetah finds something else to do. Hang on a second. Hey, Jermaine, we're back. Are you still there? I am. Evidently, I'm an idiot. So <laughs> here's the thing. During the break... Kelly and James told me that uh, gazelles just run in circles until they, get, <laughs> until they get eaten. They deserve to not be in the gene pool. Moron animals. They just run in figure eights and loop-de-loops until the lion catches them. Is that really what happens? I mean, not all the time, but a lot of times that's, that's cheetahs run for a long time so that they tire out the animals. Yeah, that's hey, kind of how it works. Now that we don't have band practice anymore, we'll get together and watch some nature shows and see how it works. Well, you just made this weird, James. So, Jermaine, forget everything I just said, and I'm just going to tell you, you need to get some sleep, dude. At some, at some point, you got to get some sleep. Do the ROI. Is the pizza job that you're making every month worth that much sleep? Just do the ROI on that. And never, ever watch a nature show ever again. Okay. And hopefully the next podcast you call into, the guy will be smarter on how hooved animals escape predators. <laughs> Golly. Y'all are the worst. Not you, Jermaine. You're my friend. Hey, if there's any openings when you're looking for a new job, holler at your boy, dude. I'll send you my email address off on the internet and 
I'll be your coworker. We'll wreck shop wherever it is you're going to get a job at. These two guys. All right. Hey, have a good one, Jermaine. Stay in school. Don't do drugs, all that stuff. All right. We're going to go to Mary and see if I can do a better job with Mary. Uh, hey, Mary in Tacoma. What's up? Um, hey there. Um, I love how y'all rise each other so much. It's very entertaining. It's not entertaining. <laughs> hey, listen. Listen. Evidently, James got his doctorate in zoology over the weekend after our band failed. And <laughs> particularly in uh, animal animal GPSery, animal movement. <laughs> animal, I don't even know what you would what you what do you call that? Animal travel? <laughs> Uh, Common sense. Common sense. Oh, here we go. Here comes Kelly with her wisdom. <laughs> All right, Mary. So, what's up? How can I help? Please, no, no, no talking about animals. Let's let's move on. Okay. Um, we're talking about people now. So, <laughs> good. Um, a couple of weeks ago, um, my 15 year old daughter just seemed like I was the only one still awake. Everybody was asleep, and she came in the kitchen and started crying and was, you know, just saying that she was overwhelmed with school and all her sports and everything. And, you know, just not kind of uncharacteristic of her to, to be like that, but she does have sports every day and school's a heavy load now that they're all back in person. And, um, we kind of talked a little bit about that and got through that. I just said, Hey, is there anything else that's going on with you? And she goes, yeah, there's some things I need to talk to you about. And I was like, well, let's go sit down on the couch. (laughs) Hey, hold on. You you knew it was coming, didn't you? I think I did, yeah. You you did. You super... (laughs) I know it's coming, and I wasn't even there. Okay, so hold on. Just for every parent of a young kid, you're about to get the reverse talk, which is... It's a worse nightmare than the original talk. And... Oh, yeah. Is your heart racing? Like, put everybody in your head, in your body, when this was going on. Um... I think I expected this conversation at some point, but not this near this thing. And how old again is she? So I am kind of like freaking out a little bit, but I was like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna, we we were standing in the kitchen, so I'm like, we're gonna go sit down. Everybody else is asleep. We can have a good talk right now. And completely dark in the house, mm-hmm. sitting in the den with my 15 year old daughter. 15. Uh, 15. Okay. Okay, and um, just to prep everybody for what's about to come is that she's been dating this boy who we really love mm-hmm. um, for probably about nine months, and she proceeded to tell me that they have had sexual intercourse, and mm-hmm. I, mm, I, I was, I maybe wasn't expecting that part. Maybe I was expecting just. Hey, we've done some things, and I'm so glad that she feels open enough to even talk to me about it, right? Yeah. Hey, before we go further, I just want to pause there. Um, that tells me that you've got a great relationship with your daughter, so high five to you. That's that's a Thank big you. deal. Um, one of the – I think we can all – it's it's a mirage. It's a, it's, a, it's a myth. It's a fantasy to think that our kids are going to get through any middle school, high school, college without challenges. And the right. greatest gift you can give your get kid is the gift of trust that when they find themselves over their head or underwater, they'll reach out to you. So good for you. That's awesome. That's years and years of you being a trustworthy person that she came to you. So that's great. Well, and I, yeah, like I said, I just feel so fortunate that that is the case because, you know, I mean, I don't think I would have ever had the guts to talk to my mom about that. I've got two kids and and me and my mom still don't talk about that. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I mean, well, that's kind of a generational thing. Yeah, actually we do talk about it way too much in my family, but, um, anyway. Okay. So you're in the, I'm trying to set the stage of what's what almost a lifetime movie. So it goes from reaching out in the kitchen to an in the dark conversation and walk me through what she's telling you here. So she tells me that, and she said, I, I, you know, I feel like she goes, you know, I think we need to talk about birth control. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, that does come along with sexual intercourse. And I said, but let's kind of backtrack a little bit because, A, I want to make sure that you feel safe 
with this person. And then I also want to make sure that you're not being pressured into doing something that you're not ready for. And she was like, no, I don't feel pressured at all. And then that really just kind of sends off alarm bells because I'm like, I kind of wanted her to feel pressured, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, huh. And she, it, it's not that she seemed fine with it. I think more than anything, because she said to me later, she goes, I'm just worried you're going to think less of me. Mm. What was your response and to that? I said, honey, I would never think less of you. I said, I think more of you because you've come to me to talk about it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And, and, and really, we, we just kind of talked through, and, and I've had this talk with her before, just mm. because even before the boyfriend. My parents never had open conversations with me about sex. And so I was like, I'm going to be different with my kids. <laughs> and I said to her, you know, when she started high school is that, you know, you may become interested in boys and they're definitely interested in girls. And we kind of talked about all the things that can happen. And I don't want you to ever feel pressured. And also talked about what a big deal sex is. Mm -hmm emotionally and how it really takes some maturity. And she, you know, asked me a lot of questions about when was the first time I did. Were you honest and with her? I was, I was totally honest with her. Awesome. But I was, I had just graduated from high school and yeah, I was probably still pretty immature mm -hmm. <laughs> at the time. But so I, I guess that's why I never dreamed I'd be having the conversation with her this early. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so how can I help you? So moving forward, I mean, you know, the main thing that I made clear to her is that, uh, I, and I didn't say this directly to her, but what I was thinking in my head is that. <laughs> you just said that. Here, here's what you just said. I made this already. super clear to her. I didn't really say it, but you know what I mean. This is my head. <laughs> <laughs> I know how that sounds, but. In my head, I'm thinking to myself, you know, uh, you can always, I, I just said to her, I said, if you ever feel like this isn't working or that you don't want to be doing this anymore, you don't have to do that. You know, you can step back and, and if this boy isn't into that, then he can hit the road. And she was she was like, Mom, I know that. And she goes, and I just want you to know that my boyfriend has, has been so respectful of me and and has never pressured me. And, you know, of course, they think they're in love with each other, as we all do with our first sure. boyfriend or girlfriend. Um, and I'm just so worried about her heart being broken even more. I just know for me... Um, once you put sex into the equation, it changes everything. So, Mary, um, I know you know this, but your 15-year-old's a child. Yes. And I mean, she doesn't even have a freaking license to drive a car. And that, that's what's going to go. As a society, we've all put our heads together and said, you know what? 15-year-olds are too young to even drive. Yeah, fifteen-year-olds are too young to buy cigarettes. They're too young to buy beer. They're too young to buy um, guns. Like we've put these restrictions on children because they make decisions based on connection. They make decisions on what feels good right now. They make decisions um, that aren't thought out or wise, and that's why they desperately need parents. And. This puts you in an incredibly awkward position because the whole thing is predicated on trust, right? Right. And, and we often back trust up to you promise you won't tell and you promise that you – it's two, two things. One, you promise you won't tell and you promise you'll stand by with whatever it is I'm doing. And anything beyond that is perceived as a violation of trust. And what I would say to you as a parent and to any parent dealing with this – is to go one step beneath this conversation and look at your child reaching out saying, will you please help me? Will you please protect me from myself? 
And that is a level of trust that is not going to be, um, is not going to be at the forefront of a 15 year old brain, which is why she's got a mom. And, um, it's going to feel, it's going to feel yucky in the moment, but the thing she desperately needs is her mom to step up and be mom. Not best friend, not older sister, not will make good choices. 15-year-olds can't make good choices because they're 15. You know what I mean? I I completely agree with you. So I just need your advice on the best way to direct that aside from forbidding them to see each other. You know, as you said, I want to maintain that level of trust with her. And the reality is, is that both of them are going to be driving in a few months. And if they continue to date, then, you know, I. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something crazy. All right. Okay. And this fits in. I've had this conversation with atheist, sex, secular um, researchers. I've had this with super Jesus freak Counselors and pastors and everyone in between. 15-year-olds too young to be having sex. 16, 17-year-olds too young to be having sex. Yeah. They can create a human. They can, um, they can, I'm not going to go through the risks. We all know that stuff. We're all grown ups. Right. The risks are immeasurable. And we don't let them take this type of risk with anything else. And so what trust is going to look like now what parenting is going to look like now is going to feel like a violation to a 15-year-old. And it's going to be something that comes along down the road when your kid circles back and says, I'm so thankful that, fill in the blank, that you cared enough about me. And it will be hard and it will be tears and it will be you promised and I can't believe you. I hate you. It'll be all that stuff. And there's seasons when that's what parents have to take. Yeah. But I have not met the mental health professional, secular, faith-based, atheist, lunatic, and we all know lunatic mental health practitioners. I haven't met the one that's like, yeah, 15-year-olds, that's great. That's cool. Just make good choices. I haven't met them because they're children. They can't make those kind of choices. And so if my 16-year-old kids are in that same boat, they're not driving. I'm taking them places. The same way as if I knew they were sneaking alcohol or they were doing drugs or they were right. filling the blank, any other risky behavior that a 15-year-old or 16-year-old or 17-year-old doesn't have the brain capacity to, to, to deal with. And you and I both know what adult sex, how, that, how much that complicates stuff. It's complicated in marriage, yeah. much less, totally. you know what I mean, trying to figure out what your body's doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so all I have to say is there is, you've heard me say before, you know, not by your hand, but in your lap, your baby girl so gracefully came and dropped us in your lap. And I want you to hear it both as an honoring of their parenting up until now and a deep cry for help. Okay. And it's going to be so hard, so hard. There's not an easy way out. I'd recommend calling his parents. He's too young to be having sex. He's 15. Yeah. And bringing everybody in on it, and your daughter will go bananas. You know what I mean? Have you talked to him about it? Yeah. I have not. And, um, but I do know the parents. We're getting to know them better. Um, (laughs) You're about to get to know them real, real well. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and here's the thing. You don't hate your kids. 15-year-old sex is awesome. 15-year-olds, they're being 15. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're right. not bad or broken. They're 15. And then suddenly yeah. they found themselves over their heads. Yeah. And that's why they need us to step in. No, and I do think, I mean, it's if I if I bring his parents in, I mean, it's really going to only help strengthen that. They're, they're a great family, strong ties with their kids. From what I know of them, they're great parents um, and just good people. Yeah. And so, you know, I I know it's not like if I go to them and to their son to talk about it, that 
they're not going to, you know, brush me off and say, you know, pound sand. Well, and here's the thing. Even if they did, even if you knew that was coming, who cares? You, well, yeah. you can only control you, right? And so if they're going to tell you that you're an idiot, I can't believe you're calling us. They're just kids. Let them have fun. That's your decision. And then it's your daughter to protect. It's awesome that they're going to, they, they might potentially partner with you on this. Yeah. Um, the, the big thing here is to make sure your kids don't feel dirty or gross or that they're somehow right. evil. You know what I mean? And they may internalize that and feel that great. And here's the other thing. If they want to have sex, they'll figure out a place to do it. That's true, right? They can get pretty creative. Your job isn't to, I don't know, you're, you don't create a police state. At the same time, I'm going to do what I can in my power to make sure my kids are safe. Yeah. I'm going to make sure they're safe. And 15-year-olds having sex are not safe for a hundred different reasons. Yeah. And so I, does this surprise you that I'm saying this? Or did you know this was coming no. and you, didn't, you wanted me to no, say something else? No, I mean, really, it's, you, you were just a reinforcing voice that I needed to hear. And I think part of the issue is that um, things are really crazy in the state that I live in, mm -hmm. as you may be aware. <laughs> um, for example, if I take my daughter to the pediatrician, I can only come into the room with her mm -hmm. permission. That's right. At 13. Yep. Is when that starts. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, you know, she could have just gone to our pediatrician and never told me anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think about that and I just hearing what you said, re, I mean, it reinforces what our family's values are. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but also, where I need to take it from here and so, you know, I mean, yeah, I want to be supportive of her and know that she knows that we love her no matter what, but at the same time that our job as parents is to keep her safe. Yeah. That's, that's a line that I use in my house since my kids were born in anticipation yeah. of this very conversation someday. Um, yeah. and multiple other ones, but my job is to keep you safe. Do the best I can, and I can't keep you safe for, forever. Two things that I hear yeah. a lot from parents in this situation. One, like you mentioned, um, I was sexually active as a teenager too. And either A, it was awesome and it was fine, nothing happened, or B, I was pressured to do stuff I wasn't comfortable with, and I don't want to talk to my kids about that. And yeah. so either way, your shame, your bad experience or your guilt that you kind of, it was kind of awesome. And here we are in a different, it's a different planet with cell phones and everyone's got cameras. The whole thing is at another yeah. level. Same as like, I've heard back smoking weed in the seventies was one thing. Smoking weeds now with this high power, it's just different. Things are different mm -hmm. and understanding that we're in a different planet. And I tell you what, if I'd had a cell phone with a camera, as a 15-year-old, I would be forever unemployable forever. You know what I mean? I would. It would be a whole different – I can't even wrap my head around that. Um, that's number one. Number two, you're right. You live in a state where middle schoolers can go in and leave their parents out of medical decisions. That doesn't mean you stop parenting or throw your hands up. And you do keep that relationship. And if your daughter – wants to move off the grid in that kind of, in that way. And your state supports that. There's all kinds of other conversations y'all need to have about where you live and what your values are. Most of the time, most of the time, kids default to that connected relationship and they do not, they will kick and scream against accountability, but deep down they go, Oh, thank God I'm safe. I'm still wired in here. And that's why it's so important not to shame your kid for wanting to be physically active with somebody. Their kid, of course they do. It's awesome. And that's why they need parents that are going to love them, walk alongside them, and say, I'm putting up boundaries because you're 15. Um, and yeah, if your daughter goes and gets birth control from a doctor and sneaks it behind your back and you never find out about it, there's not a whole lot you can do about that until you, until you do find out about it. And again, I'm not suggesting a police state. I am suggesting a heightened level of awareness and a heightened level of 
parental involvement and making sure every parent's on the same page. And I'm not going to leave my kid alone in my house. I'm not going to go out of town and let them stay at the play. I'm going to I'm going to be more present, a lot more present, um, all under the guise of I'm going to keep my kids safe. I'm going to keep my kids safe. I love you too much to let you get over your head and or underwater or the same thing. Right. Um, it's a tough road to hoe you got for you, but you have built up so many years of relational connection there. And um, the play is now five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road that you loved your daughter enough to step in and say, hey, 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 it's my job to help you stay safe. And it's going to be uncomfortable for everybody, but I love you too much to just say, all right, make good choices. <sighs> She's lucky to have you. She's lucky to have you, Mary. We'll be right back on the Dr. John Deloney Show. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, we are back. Oh, look, we have a zoologist who's going to teach us how deer run. Just kidding, we don't. No, have I just beat that joke in the ground now? Not yet. <laughs> no, John, you can just keep on going. Let's go to Ann in Louisville, Kentucky. What's up, Ann? Hi, Dr. John. How are you today? Remarkable. And you? Oh, I'm great here in Louisville, Louisville. Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. What's up? How are you? Not much. So, um, I just wanted to call. Uh, thanks for chatting with me today. But right now, um, I'm just struggling with managing my work-life balance and my family life. I'm finding a lot of value in the work I do and the hours I spend at work. But I feel like I'm jeopardizing a lot of my family life because I focus so much on work. Mm. And I'm just seeking your guidance, I guess, on how I redirect this and how I find balance. I think balance is a myth. What do you think when you think of balance? I don't think oh it's real. God. I think it's a, 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 it's, a, it's a fantasy. It's not real. But uh, people have a picture in their head of what it's supposed to look like. What does your picture look like? <laughs> so in the perfect world, I think it would be 50-50. But we're finding, you know, as you go day by day, that's certainly not possible. Or it doesn't feel possible realistically when you're actually doing it. Mm -hmm. um, but it would be great if I could, you know, split my time 50-50 or even 60% family, 40% work-life balance. But right now in the path I'm, I'm taking, it just doesn't feel like that's doable. So something has kept you from pulling the trigger either way. What is it? You know, I think really right now what it is is I'm just, I struggle with my self-worth and I think I find a lot of my self-worth in the amount of work I do, not so much in the quality of work I do. And I think that's just honesty when we're, we get down, you know, to the core of it. I think it's how much can I do today? It's not, you know, stepping away and, you know, promoting that healthy work-life balance. It's just how much can I do? I almost get manic about it. I think it's the best way to describe it. Where does that come from? Gosh, I, I think so. When I was younger, I was at 11, I was diagnosed with anorexia. Mm -hmm. And so I always kind of correlate it with that, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, I have to find, um, I don't know, I have to focus on something to not focus on that. Like I have to really concentrate on something hard to kind of get those negative feelings out of my head, if that makes sense. The negative, you mean the, the anorexic demons calling you or just the sense that you're not enough, you don't look right, you don't play right, you're not a good enough this, you're not good enough of that? I think at a deeper level, it's probably I'm not a good enough whatever it is that day. Okay. So sometimes that comes out in food. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that comes out in my relationship with my child mm -hmm. and my husband. Um, but a lot of times it comes out, you know, in my relationships at work and, you know, in the work I do, um, I'm a property manager. So, I mean, okay. it's 300 units. So it's every day it's something, but yeah. it's, I've been, 
you know, even told by my supervisors, you need to learn when to turn it off, but it's like I don't have that off switch. Hmm. So tell me if this sounds right, and also tell me if I'm wrong, okay? I've been told I'm wrong yeah. several times on this show by <laughs> Kelly and James, so feel free to hop sure. in. Um, how much of it is you can control things at work? You're good at what you do. You know how to solve problems, and that is a hurricane that you can grab the tail of and control it. And when you look in the eyes of your little kid and you look in the eyes of your husband, there's a recklessness and a strength to that love that is uncontrollable and it feels out of your grasp. And it's simply safer for your heart and your body and your soul to go back to work because I know the rules there and I know A plus B equals C because love is a risk and I can't control that risk. Does that sound right or am I way off? No, that that's exactly right. I think that's absolutely correct. I think it's, you know, when I'm at work, it's, it's I don't want to say it's easy, but it, it just makes sense and it's easy to control certain situations. And then at home, it's like hostile sometimes and it's high emotions and it's high stress and not that work isn't, but. So you know, where does that stress at home come from? Do you bring it home or is your husband a jerk or you just have a two-month-old that's just bananas? Like, where does it come from? I think my husband and I, we both work very high-demand jobs. We both, he's in school full-time. Okay. You know, I work 60, 70 hours a week on a good week. Um, and then we come home and we, we bring all of that high anxiety mm-hmm. home. Yep. And that's what our three-year-old thing, of course. So then I wonder how it's affecting him long-term. He's three? He's three. And he's so always seeing these two super stressed out parents. Yeah. So what I would tell you is he's not seeing it. There's actually some research. Dr. Gabor Mate, is, he is absorbing that at the genetic level. Yeah. It's becoming part of him. How mommy and dad talk to one another how they interact with one another, how they are courtesy and serve one another, how they love one another, how they touch each other, how they look and laugh. He's absorbing that. And it has epigenetic um, consequences, both up and down. He's not just watching it. He's absorbing it. Um, So Christy, again, my friend Christy, right? And stay on the line here. Um, Kelly's going to send you a copy of her brand new book, Take Back Your Time. It's on this exact topic. Um, She does a great job of this idea of seasons versus balance. Balance is bullcrap. It's not real. And it's a myth sold to you by every – the name of the game in selling is – I have to convince you that you are missing a thing so that I, you'll buy my thing, right? Mm-hmm. And if there's this myth of balance, life never feels 50-50. And so we just pathologically add stuff to either side of that scale trying to get it to balance up. And then just as always stays wonky. So I'm going to buy a new – I'm going to sign up for a yoga class, but that takes time. So then I'm going to um, – get a bunch of new fancy pots and pans because we're going to cook together and that doesn't work. So then I'm going to, you know what I mean? You're always just teeter-tottering on this thing. And instead of looking at it 50-50 balance, look at the season. So your husband's working a demanding job and he's in school full-time. Is that right? Yes. And you have a three-year-old? Yes. So, and you're working 70 hours a week in a job that you're really good at, probably weren't put on earth to be a property manager. Maybe you were, um, but you're kicking butt in it. And they say, hey, way to go. But even your boss is like, how about we take 30% off? How about we dial it back a little bit? And you're like, never, <laughs> never. Exactly. There's, so um, the conversation, and she's got some stuff in her book that's great that um, you can work through with your husband, but it's just taking a breath and saying, okay, we're in a season right now. Like I'm in that same season too. It's the fall. I'm on the road a lot. I'm speaking. My wife's got a book coming out. She's working on retreats and all kind of stuff. She's also a professor. She's getting flown to another state to teach because she's so good at it. It's bananas in our house. And I got a sixth grader and a kindergartner. And so we're in a season and we overcommitted and most of it's my fault, but we overcommitted. And so we're saying, okay, what's it going to look like till December? This isn't this fake 50-50 because that's not real. 
What's it gonna look like to get through Christmas? And then what's our spring gonna look like? Cause that's what we can control. We've already signed up for stuff this fall. And so y'all are in a bonker season. What is life gonna look like? Where can we extract joy out of the season that we're in? And what I want y'all to do is come up with a, a map for what this season's gonna look like and then the spring will look like. And here's gonna be your adventure right now. Your adventure is when you get home and you start to feel that whatever take off in your body, I want you to be really intentional about writing down where it is. Do you feel your chest start to get tight? Do you feel your stomach drop? Do you feel your neck start to get start to hurt? I want you to begin to feel it in your body and don't be mad at yourself and don't judge yourself. I can't believe this. I, I want you to start being really curious with Anne. Like, what's my body trying to protect me from right now? What am I missing here? Is it sleep? Is it connection with my, with my kid? And I know getting on all fours and playing is so fun, but it's so boring. <laughs> but what am I missing here? When's the last time me and my husband had sex that was great and wasn't just this duty checklist thing? The fact we found actual, like, joy. We were, like, really into one another for more than one night, maybe it's two or four. Or what, what, when's the last time we were intimately connected for a season, right? I want you to begin to have those conversations together and with yourself, start to experience where this stuff is in your body. Do you think you, and, and in fact, I was just reading a meta-analysis on eating disorders the other day and the prognosis, that what they don't know is just mind-boggling to me. Um, did you... Did you heal from childhood stuff or are you still playing? Are you still running? Um, I think I'm still running. You okay. know, I, I do. Um, I just got out of a really bad, I guess we could say I got, I, I got over a really bad relapse. I don't think you ever get over it, but I thought, you know, it, it started to creep its, its head back in okay. right around the time I turned two. Okay. And, um, what was, you know, going, what was going on in your world? Was intimacy I, at an all-time low? Was husband gone? Were you stressed at work? Like, what was going on at home? I, I think at home, our, our life was completely chaotic. Mm-hmm. My husband and I were fighting all the time. Um, we had fundamental disagreements regarding money and regarding how we wanted to run our household. Um, we just purchased a home, which naturally brings stress into the equation. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, we're, we're trying to deal with both, both sides of our emotions and raising a three-year-old. And I think, you know, with COVID and everything going on, there was no physical escape. My physical escape became work, you know, what was left of it mm-hmm. during that time. Yeah. And um, so it, it almost felt like, you ha- for me, I had no control over anything in my household. Like, I didn't have control over my relationship with my husband. Mm-hmm. It was so toxic at that time. And we've been in therapy and we've, you know, and that's been great. And we're doing yeah. much better now, but everything just seemed very chaotic in our lives. And but it's you like could I, control uh, that, right? Uh, yes. That's part of the challenge is figuring out how to do that. Because there was a point, I think during all of that, that we could, that we didn't feel we could, but, mm. um, no, I'm saying, did. I'm saying your body began to say, Oh, I remember, oh. I remember something I can control. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it's so, it's not funny, but it's ironic because when you try to explain eating disorders to people who don't understand, such as my husband, who's never been around it, I'm like, you know, it's totally unconscious, unconscious. Like, I don't, I don't think about it. I just fall back into these habits. And then one day things calm down and I think about it again. And I'm like, okay, I I am falling back down that, down that rabbit hole. And you kind of have to, pull yourself back up because right. you don't even realize you're losing the control when you are. Yeah. And it can be, yeah, it can be disassociative. That's right. So a couple of things. One, I'm going to send you that book. Okay. I don't want you to ever say work-life balance ever again, as long as you live. Okay. I want you to start thinking in seasons and sometimes in the winter, it's just really cold and you got to wear jackets and you don't go outside so much. And, or you got to go outside and you know, it's going to be cold out there. And then sometimes it's summer and it's really hot, but you go to the pool and you dress differently. And same in the spring and same in the fall. Life rolls in seasons, not in balance. We've been sold a lie. It's not real. And so I want to give you this book. I want you to read it closely. And it's brand new. It's number one bestseller. just came out the other day. Um, it's incredible. And Christy's a great friend. 
I, I want you to do the exercise in that book. You and your husband in counseling, I want you to be highly intentional about telling your counselor, I'm struggling with this and I'm ready for the first time in years to set this down. And you're right, the the quote unquote ever be done with it. Um, I both understand the data and the data, like the research is clear. It's hard to say I'm ever over um, anorexia. That's tough. And I also believe deeply in people setting these bricks down and healing and it just doesn't come back anymore. And that's highly intentional in getting connected with your body and what your body's trying to tell you on a regular basis. It sounds like what your body's telling you right now and has been for a while that your most important relationships are not whole right now with your husband, with your kid, and you are in fight or flight and probably have been for years and you are running to work because you can control that. You are disassociating yourself. You're distancing yourself is a better word from the relationships because those hurt and they're not solid right now. And it may be that he's got time for him to step away from school for a season for the sake of his marriage and his family. It may mean that he can't work full-time and y'all got to make some pretty serious financial sacrifices and he's going to go to school full-time and you're going to make this for a season until he gets out of school and then he's going to go back to the workforce full-time. It may mean that you step back and say, I'm going to lock eyes with this three-year-old and this three-year-old is going to be my world. Or maybe your husband quits everything and he locks eyes with this three-year-old. Whatever that looks like, the pace y'all are on is unsustainable. And you know that. Your kid feels that and your husband knows it. And now it's this weird dance, this weird game of chicken on which one's going to cave first. And if one of you loses, you both lose. And so the conversation has got to be leveled up here. Um, and you've got to be highly intentional about what this season's going to look like, being intentional and direct about planning for next season. And something's going to have to give in the next season. Something's going to have to give in the next season. And I'm convinced if you get serious about, not to say you haven't been serious, if you get highly intentional and submit and vulnerable to healing from anorexia, I'm convinced you can. I know you can. You're too strong. You're too brilliant. I know you can. I know, no, no, you can. And it's time now. It's been exhausting and it's time. Thank you so much for this call and stay on the line here and um, we'll, um, we'll get you that book sent out. Never, everybody, never say the word work-life balance. It's not real. It's a season. It's a season. Life goes in rhythms and in seasons. Identify the season you're in. Some seasons are sprint seasons, like our first caller, trying to get, paid, get, get out of debt. Some seasons are we build trust, we build trust, like the second caller, we build trust, we build trust, we build trust. And then, man, we got to have a season of winter. We got some hard accountability with our 15-year-old. We're going to have to really change how we parent, how we interact. It's going to be hard. And then there will be other seasons of spring. The sun will come up again. The flowers will bloom. Um, we'll, have a different, we'll have a different season. Um, but knowing where you're at, not trying to balance it all, balance it all, balance it all. And we love you, man. We're standing behind you. Call me every step of the way if we can help, okay? Time to get serious about your marriage. Time to get serious about parenting, serious about healing your heart. All right, as we wrap up today's show, I got a couple of songs here. These are... Uh... <laughs> During a break, James brought in this song. I'm going to read it. It's about cheetahs and gazelles and lions. Not really, but I get the geographic humor, James. I crack myself up. (laughs) Do what? I crack myself up. Kelly, I'm going to congratulate you again on your new promotion. It's incredible. James, I hear they're hiring for, I don't know, cafeteria people downstairs. Get the resume ready. Not really. I'll go work for National Geographic, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mapping out uh, predatory escape patterns. The song is the classic by Toto. It's called Africa. Little geography humor. I get it. Hope you get it, America. It goes like this. I hear the drums echoing tonight, but she only hears whispers of some quiet conversation. She's coming in 1230 flight. Her moonlit wings reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation. I stopped an old man along the way, 
hoping to find some old forgotten words or ancient melodies. He was running in jagged patterns like cheetahs evidently do instead of straight lines away from lions. He turned to me as if to say, hurry boy, it's waiting there for you. I don't, what is this song about? I bless the rains, this is, song is madness. I bless the rains down in Africa. Gonna take some time to do things we never had. What? Run, cheetah, run. Straight lines, run. This is the Dr. John Deloney Show.